Chapter forty nine of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume Three, Part One by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The first appearance of Colbert. The whole night was passed in anguish, common to the dying man and to the king. The dying man expected his deliverance. The king awaited his liberty. Louis did not go to bed. An hour after leaving the chamber of the cardinal, he learned that the dying man, recovering a little strength, had insisted upon being dressed, adorned and painted, and seeing the ambassadors. Like Augustus, he no doubt considered the world a great stage, and was desirous of playing out the last act of the comedy. Anne of Austria reappeared no more in the cardinal's apartments. She had nothing more to do there. Propriety was the pretext for her absence. On his part, the cardinal did not ask for her. The advice the queen had given her son rankled in his heart. Towards midnight, while still painted, Mazarin's mortal agony came on. He had revised his will, and as this will was the exact expression of his wishes, and as he feared that some interested influence might take advantage of his weakness to make him change something in it, he had given orders to Colbert, who walked up and down the corridor which led to the cardinal's bedchamber like the most vigilant of sentinels. The king, shut up in his own apartment, dispatched his nurse every hour to Mazarin's chamber, with orders to bring him back the exact bulletin of the cardinal's state. After having heard that Mazarin was dressed, painted, and had seen the ambassadors, Louis heard that the prayers for the dying were being read for the cardinal. At one o'clock in the morning, Guinaud had administered the last remedy. This was a relic of the old customs of that fencing time, which was about to disappear to give place to another time, to believe that death could be kept off by some good secret thrust. Mazarin, after having taken the remedy, respired freely for nearly ten minutes. He immediately gave orders that the news should be spread everywhere of a fortunate crisis. The king, on learning this, felt as if a cold sweat were passing over his brow. He had had a glimpse of the light of liberty, Slavery appeared to him more dark and less acceptable than ever, but the bulletin which followed entirely changed the face of things. Mazarin could no longer breathe at all, and could scarcely follow the prayers which the curé of St. Nicolas de Champs recited near him. The king resumed his agitated walk about his chamber, and consulted as he walked several papers drawn from a casket, of which he alone had the key. A third time the nurse returned. Monsieur de Mazarin had just uttered a joke— and had ordered his flora by titian to be revarnished at length towards two o'clock in the morning the king could no longer resist his weariness he had not slept for twenty-four hours sleep so powerful at his age overcame him for about an hour but he did not go to bed for that hour he slept in a fauteuil about four o'clock his nurse awoke him by entering the room well asked the king well my dear sire said the nurse clasping her hands with an air of commiseration well he is dead the king arose at a bound as if a steel spring had been applied to his legs dead cried he alas yes is it quite certain yes official yes has the news been made public not yet who told you then that the cardinal was dead monsieur colbert 
Monsieur Colbert? Yes. And was he sure of what he said? He came out of the chamber and held a glass for some minutes before the cardinal's lips. Ha! Huh, said the king. And what has become of Monsieur Colbert? He has just left his eminence chamber. Where is he? He followed me. So that he is, sire, waiting at your door, till it shall be your good pleasure to receive him. Louis ran to the door, opened it himself, and perceived Colbert standing, waiting in the passage. The king started at the sight of this statue, all clothed in black. Colbert, bowing with profound respect, advanced two steps towards his majesty. Louis re-entered his chamber, making Colbert a sign to follow. Colbert entered. Louis dismissed the nurse, who closed the door as she went out. Colbert remained modestly standing near that door. "'What do you come to announce to me, monsieur?' said Louis, very much troubled at being thus surprised in his private thoughts, which he could not completely conceal. "'That monsieur le cardinal has just expired, sire, and that I bring your majesty his last adieu.' The king remained pensive for a minute, and during that minute he looked attentively at Colbert. It was evident that the cardinal's last words were in his mind. "'Are you, then, monsieur Colbert?' asked he. "'Yes, sire. His faithful servant, as his eminence himself told me.' "'Yes, sire. The depository of many of his secrets?' "'All of them.' The friends and servants of his eminence will be dear to me, monsieur, and I shall take care that you are well placed in my employment. Colbert bowed. You are a financier, monsieur, I believe? Yes, sire. And did monsieur le cardinal employ you in his stewardship? I had that honor, sire. You never did anything personally for my household, I believe? Pardon me, sire. It was I who had the honor of giving Monsieur le Cardinal the idea of an economy which puts three hundred thousand francs a year into your majesty's coffers. What economy was that, monsieur? asked Louis the Fourteenth. Your majesty knows that the hundred Swiss have silver lace on each side of their ribbons? Doubtless. Well, sire, it was I who proposed that imitation silver lace should be placed upon these ribbons. It could not be detected, and a hundred thousand crowns serve to feed a regiment during six months, and is the price of ten thousand good muskets, or the value of a vessel of ten guns, ready for sea. That is true, said Louis the Fourteenth, considering more attentively. And, ma foi! That was a well-placed economy. Besides, it was ridiculous for soldiers to wear the same lace as noblemen. I am happy to be approved of by your majesty. Is that the only appointment you held about the cardinal? asked the king. It was I who was appointed to examine the accounts of the superintendent, sire. Ah, said Louis, 
who was about to dismiss Colbert, but whom that word stopped. Huh! It was you whom his eminence had charged to control Monsieur Fouquet, was it? And the result of the examination? Is that there is a deficit, sire. But if your majesty will permit me... Speak, Monsieur Colbert. I ought to give your majesty some explanations. Not at all, monsieur. It is you who have controlled these accounts. Give me the result. That is very easily done, sire. Emptiness everywhere. Money nowhere. Beware, monsieur. You are roughly attacking the administration of Monsieur Fouquet, who, nevertheless, I have heard say, is an able man. Colbert colored and then became pale, for he felt that from that minute he entered upon a struggle with a man whose power almost equaled the sway of him who had just died. "'Yes, sire, a very able man,' repeated Colbert, bowing. "'But if Monsieur Fouquet is an able man, and in spite of that ability, if money be wanting, whose fault is it?' "'I do not accuse, sire.' i verify that is well make out your accounts and present them to me there is a deficit you say a deficit may be temporary credit returns and funds are restored no sire upon this year perhaps i understand that but upon next year next year is eaten as bare as the current year but the year after then will be just like next year what do you tell me monsieur colbert i say there are four years engaged beforehand they must have a loan then they must have three sire i will create officers to make them resign and the salary of the post shall be paid into the treasury impossible sire for there have already been creations upon creations of offices the provisions of which are given in blank so that the purchasers enjoy them without filling them that is why your majesty cannot make them resign further upon each agreement m fouquet has made an abatement of a third so that the people have been plundered without your majesty profiting by it let your majesty set down clearly your thought and tell me what you wish me to explain you are right clearness is what you wish is it not yes sire clearness god is god above all things because he made light well for example resumed louis the fourteenth if to-day the cardinal being dead and i being king suppose i wanted money your majesty would not have any oh that is strange monsieur how my superintendent would not find me any money colbert shook his large head how is that said the king is the income of the state so much in debt that there is no longer any revenue yes sire the king started explain me that monsieur colbert added he with a frown if it be so 
i will get together the ordinances to obtain a discharge from the holders a liquidation at a cheap rate impossible for the ordinances have been converted into bills which bills for the convenience of return and facility of transaction are divided into so many parts that the originals can no longer be recognized louis very much agitated walked about still frowning but if this is as you say monsieur colbert said he stopping all at once i shall be ruined before i begin to reign you are in fact sire said the impassable caster-up of figures well but yet monsieur the money is somewhere yes sire and even as a beginning i bring your majesty a note of funds which monsieur le cardinal mazarin was not willing to set down in his testament neither in any act whatever but which he confided to me to you yes sire with an injunction to remit it to your majesty what besides the forty millions of the testament yes sire monsieur de mazarin had still other funds colbert bowed why that man was a gulf murmured the king monsieur de mazarin on one side monsieur fouquet on the other more than a hundred millions perhaps between them no wonder my coffer should be empty colbert waited without stirring and is the sum you bring me worth the trouble asked the king yes sire it is a round sum amounting to how much to thirteen millions of livres sire thirteen millions cried louis trembling with joy do you say thirteen millions monsieur colbert i said thirteen millions yes your majesty of which everybody is ignorant of which everybody is ignorant which are in your hands in my hands yes sire and which i can have within two hours sire but where are they then in the cellar of a house which the cardinal possessed in the city and which he was so kind as to leave me by a particular clause of his will you are acquainted with the cardinal's will then i have a duplicate of it signed by his hand a duplicate yes sire and here it is colbert drew the deed quietly from his pocket and showed it to the king the king read the article relative to the donation of the house but said he there is no question here but of the house there is nothing said of the money your pardon sire it is in my conscience and monsieur mazarin has entrusted it to you why not sire he a man mistrustful of everybody he was not so of me sire as your majesty may perceive louis fixed his eyes with admiration upon that vulgar but expressive face you are an honest man monsieur colbert said the king that is not a virtue it is a duty replied colbert coolly but added louis 
does not the money belong to the family if this money belonged to the family it would be disposed of in the testament as the rest of his fortune is if this money belonged to the family i who drew up the deed of donation in favor of your majesty should have added the sum of thirteen millions to that of forty millions which was offered to you how exclaimed louis the fourteenth was it you who drew up the deed of donation yes sire and yet the cardinal was attached to you added the king ingenuously i had assured his eminence you would by no means accept the gift said colbert in that same quiet manner we have described and which even in the common habits of life had something solemn in it louis passed his hand over his brow oh how young i am murmured he to have the command of men colbert waited the end of this monologue he saw louis raise his head at what hour shall i send the money to your majesty asked he to-night at eleven o'clock i desire that no one may know that i possess this money colbert made no more reply than if the thing had not been said to him is the amount in ingots or coined gold in coined gold sire that is well where shall i send it to the louvre thank you monsieur colbert colbert bowed and retired thirteen millions exclaimed louis as soon as he was alone this must be a dream then he allowed his head to sink between his hands as if he were really asleep but at the end of a moment he arose and opening the window violently he bathed his burning brow in the keen morning air which brought to his senses the scent of the trees and the perfume of flowers a splendid dawn was gilding the horizon and the first rays of the sun bathed in flame the young king's brow this is the dawn of my reign murmured louis the fourteenth it's a presage sent by the almighty End of chapter 49 Recording by John Van Stan Savannah, Georgia